You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, this is Connie and welcome to today's episode of Awaken Radio. It is awesome to be back here with you and I am bringing you such an exciting and inspiring conversation today. I am chatting with my dear friend Melissa Ambrosini and she was on the show actually about 18 months ago. We did a really beautiful episode on vulnerability and you guys should scroll back and and have a listen to that because it was really, really powerful. But so much has unfolded for Mel since then and so much has changed and she's she's even got a new book coming out so I'm really excited to have the chance to chat to her today and to dive deeper into her current message and everything that she's sharing. So for those of you who don't know Melissa, she is the author of Mastering Your Mean Girl. She is an entrepreneur, motivational speaker and self-love teacher. In her signature straight-talking style, Melissa teaches women how to master their inner mean girl, smash through limiting beliefs, and ditch the self-doubt so they can start truly living the life of their dreams. Named a self-help guru by Elle magazine, she is known for her inspirational live events, books, booming online community, her weekly goddess groups, game-changing online programs such as the MA Academy Business Bootcamp, her soulful guided meditations, and empowering keynote talks. Her mission is to inspire women across the globe to create heart-centered life that is wildly wealthy, fabulously healthy, and bursting with love. Welcome, Melissa. It's so awesome to have you back here. Thank you, darling. I'm honored to be on your show. So nice to get to chat to you again. Um, yeah. Where I always love to begin is is with people's personal stories because I know so much of what you teach is based on the journey that you have walked yourself and I know that began in the area of health. That was a big place that you started and that's really evolved um, over time. And perhaps you could take us back to where this all started for you. What what was the catalyst that got you onto this journey of, of self-love and has brought you to now being the, the teacher that you are today? Well, they say, I don't know who they is, but they say that you teach what you most need to learn. So obviously, I really did need to learn a lot about self-love. Before I hit rock bottom, which was about six years ago now, I was living a very, very different life to the life that I live now. I was a professional dancer. I danced at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I worked and lived in London for two years Um, I did acting and TV presenting and the odd occasional amateur modeling gig. Um, And I was living a life very, very differently to what I live now. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was living off caffeine, drugs, alcohol, four hours sleep, you know, McDonald's. I had no idea how to look after myself or um, nourish my body. And when you treat your body like that, there's only a matter of time before it all kind of the rug is pulled out from underneath you and, um, you know, your body sends you a big warning sign and I'm just grateful that mine happened at 24. Um, so at 24, I ended up in hospital with a whole host of health issues. I had adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, depression and eating disorder, um, you know, loads of mineral and vitamin deficiencies. I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, 
So the last straw for me was I got the cold sore virus and I'd never had a cold sore before in my life and I got them all over my face, in my throat, um, down my throat and in my mouth and I couldn't even open my mouth or talk or drink or anything like that. Um, And the severity of it sent me straight to hospital. Um, So I was there in hospital kind of a face full of cold sores, so unwell, so unhappy and realized a couple of potent truths in that moment that I needed to sort myself out. I needed to get healthier and happier. Up until that moment, my measure of happiness was on, was determined by everything external, you know, how much I was earning, the jobs I was getting, the boyfriend, the designer handbag, you know, the size of my ass, all of these things, all these external things. Um, and when I ended up in hospital, I realized that I had no idea how to look after myself or how to be happy on my own. And so thus began an inward journey. I am very grateful. I had a beautiful friend, a, an angel I called, who sent me Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life when I was in hospital, had never picked up a spiritual book before in my life. And I read that book as I was in hospital and everything changed for me. I decided it's like even though that was the darkest point of my entire life and I was so unhappy and so unwell, there was a glimmer of hope in my heart. You know, my parents were looking at me and they're like, you you look like someone has taken a blowtorch to your face yet you're smiling like I don't understand. But I was so, I felt like I'd finally hit rock bottom and the only way was up. And that doesn't mean it wasn't, you know, it was easy. It definitely was not easy. But I just knew that I had to sort my health and my life out. And after that, I um, went and studied holistic nutrition, life coaching, yoga, teacher training, meditation, acuenergetics. I read every spiritual self-help book I could get my hands on. I studied the work of Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, and just totally immersed myself in that world. And I became obsessed with it and obsessed because it started to make me, I started to feel good. And I'm all about doing what feels good and stopping what doesn't feel good. So I just kept on following that charm. And, you know, that was six years ago. And I started a blog. I started sharing what I was learning and how I was feeling. And women just started gravitating toward it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm not the only one struggling with anxiety. And maybe I'm not the only one who's battled eating disorders. Maybe I'm not the only one who's dealing with panic attacks and doesn't know how to nourish themselves. And so all of these women just started gravitating toward my work and I was started, I got qualified as a health and life coach and I started coaching women one-on-one, started to get asked to speak at different, you know, motivational and self-help events and literally it just snowballed from there and that was six years ago and I just, it's, I've just kept on putting one foot in front of the other and it's been the most rewarding journey. Yes, it's definitely had challenges but it's been so rewarding and doing what you you love every single day is by far the most rewarding thing um, I, I can do for myself and anyone can do for, for themselves.
Mm, and what an incredible rock bottom to hit. I mean, a lot of people have different experiences of hitting a rock bottom, but that's a that's a huge place to find yourself in and to be able to find an inner sense of hope or positivity or love when surrounded by, you know, all of that challenge is is such a testament to the um, to the shining light that you are, I see you as such a, a beautiful shining light, always with a giant smile on your face. And what what really stood out for me from what you shared was this shift that that we make, uh, which I know I've gone on through my journey, and a lot of people do. From happiness comes from the external, so happiness comes from me getting things and achieving things and doing things, and so we, we're pushing constantly, to what you uncovered when you started reading that book and diving deeper is, no, it's not about what's happening outside of me. I can feel better and I can be happy by making uh, inner changes and doing the inner work. Where where did you begin with that kind of inner journey? What was that process that that uh, that started for you? I mean, I know it's it's a foundation of self love. What did that look like? You know what? If I remember sitting back in, I remember laying back in that hospital bed, like listening to Louise Hayes audio books and you know reading all this stuff and. I was like, what the hell is this self-love business? Like, what is this inner peace and inner calm and inner happiness? I had no idea how to get it because I had never felt it before in my life. Like I'd never, I just, I just thought, okay, I have no idea how to, how to do this. Like it was literally like learning how to ride a bike for the first time. And I just started by simply following what felt good. So for me, I started yoga, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it was. I do now, but at the time I was like, I don't know why, but when I'm in yoga and we sit and I just feel so good, I don't know what it is. Yes, my mind is busy, of course, but it just feels good. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And, and then I would sit in stillness and I'd never sat in stillness before in my life. I had the, the loudest, you know, mean girl and busiest mind ever. And, and I just sat in stillness and I was like, okay, this, this feels good. I'm just going to keep doing it. And I just kept on showing up to yoga. And then I started taking yoga home, started doing yoga at home, started meditating at home. Didn't even know what I was doing, but I just started doing it. And then I started feeling better when I was eating more nourishing whole foods. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing that. And then I started realizing that I didn't feel good when I went out to nightclubs and drunk alcohol. And I felt better when I went for walks and sipped on coconuts. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing that. And so it was just about tuning in, which I had never done before in my entire life. If if you had said to me, tune in, I would have been like, what is that? Like tuning a radio? Like, what do you mean? But I, I just started tuning inward and, and having this internal conversation with myself and it was, it was along the lines of, okay, yoga feels good, keep doing that. This feels good, keep doing that. This feels good, keep doing that. And it just snowballed from there. And that's, that's literally, I just kept on putting one foot in front of the other. And I think this is where a lot of people get stuck is they're, they're doing so many things that they don't like and that don't feel good. 
Does it feel good? It's a simple question, yes or no. Mm -hmm. Does drinking alcohol feel good? Yes or no. If the answer is no, don't do it. It's simple. It's very, very, very simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, if eating a certain way doesn't feel good, don't do it. If, if hanging out with this person doesn't feel good, don't do it. Um, this is where I think a lot of people get stuck. And then the whole people pleasing comes into play and, you know, that, that whole thing exacerbates. But if you really tune in and you get super honest with yourself, we always have the answers within. Mm, and that's the simplicity sometimes of what self-care and self-love can mean because you're right we are inundated with information about all these amazing things we can be doing for ourselves, and so sometimes self-care is becoming a to-do list and a list of shoulds but the simplicity of in those moments that you chose to either say no to something that didn't feel good or yes to something that did that's self-love that's Mm -hmm. showing love for yourself I mean and I'm sure this is what you share with people that it really can be as simple as that as a starting point absolutely this is exactly what I talk about in mastering your mango it's that simple shift of choosing love over fear that's it Mm. and so let's talk about fear then so because again I, I, I like what you're sharing because we're really breaking down some of these concepts that people might have heard like you know tuning inwards or choosing uh, love over fear how do you explain what it means to choose love over fear or what fear even is so we in every moment and I dive so deep into this in the in my book but in every moment we have one of two choices love or fear, and I'll explain these in a second. But it's not like we have 50 choices. I think women especially, we get so overwhelmed. We're like, oh my God, I've got so much to do. I like, don't know what to do, and, I, and we're indecisive. And it's like we have 50 choices in front of us. We really don't. We have two, love or fear. Love is our heart, our intuition. Our fear is our ego, our head, mean girl. So if you can make that distinction, um, and you do that by going inward, tuning in, like we said before, um, and you live from a place of love, your life becomes really freaking epic. And you can choose choose love or fear in every moment from if you're, you know, what you choose to eat. Are you eating the chocolate brownie out of love or are you eating the chocolate brownie out of fear? Are you going to the gym out of love or are you going to the gym out of fear? Are you hanging out with this person out of love or are you hanging out with them out of fear? Are you doing the work you do out of love or are you doing it out of fear? Every single thing in your life can be done from either love or fear. Are you taking out the rubbish from a place of love and gratitude or are you taking it out with like this resentment and fear and anger? So, if you can kind of be super aware of every single thing you're doing in your life and where it's coming from, and it's a moment-to-moment practice. It's like, okay, now I'm doing this and being present with this and am I doing it from a place of love or fear? Um, it's such a simple concept, uh, but it's definitely not not what we're taught at school and it's not what, we're, what society um, – imposes on us so this is something I grew up in a family where I watched all of the women around me my mum and my nonna especially all my aunties people please so I had 24 years of witnessing women people please and do everything else for everybody else and suppress their truth and their feelings and in order to 
people please. Um, I watched them, those women get exhausted and have health issues and all sorts of things. And that's not how I personally want to live my life. Um, so for me, that was something that I had to unlearn. Choosing um, to do things from a place of love is something that I've had to learn. It's a muscle that I've had to cultivate for a couple of years and I still work on it every day. Mm, and that's the shift, isn't it? isn't it? Because the patterns that we run, say, for example, people pleasing or being scared to say no or being a workaholic, whatever these patterns are, they're part of us wanting to be loved. They're parting, part of us learning. This is how you get love from others. This is what makes you a good person. And so we grow up learning that and then feel like, well, that's how I get my love in the world. And so I suppose the switch is then recognizing that we are the source of that love, that that love doesn't come uh, from people outside of us. I mean, obviously we can receive it, but but if that love there isn't within us, then we're kind of running on empty, just doing things to try to get external love. Mm, external love, appreciation, acceptance, approval, all of those things that, yeah, you just mentioned. But the truth is you already are love. Like you already, you already vibrate love with every cell in your entire body. We've just placed all of this junk on top all of this like all these stories and all this stuff that we've told ourselves and you know past hurts that we're carrying around with us if you strip all of that back your true essence is love mm. and so is this where the mean girl comes in because I know this is what you talk about uh, in your book and in your work a lot so that you know, is the premise that who we are is love and that is our essence, but the, this mean girl, and maybe you can even explain to my audience kind of what that means when you use that term, is this all the noise and the rubbish and the stuff that sits on top? Exactly. So basically, your mean girl or mean boy, for whoever's listening, your mean girl is basically your ego. It is that fear-based voice who lives in a constant state of fear that says you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough, you're not working hard enough, you're not fast enough, you're not fill in the blank enough, whatever your mean girl says to you. And the thing is, we all have one, every single person on this planet. If someone tells you they don't, run for the hills, they are lying. Um, everyone has one. The severity and the um, volume of your mean girl di differs. That is the thing. So me, six years ago, my mean girl was on volume 10 with a very heavy base. She was like running the show. She ran my life. I lived my life from a state of fear. Now my mean girl is turned right down. She's on mute most of the time, but she definitely does pop up. But I have cultivated the skills, which is what I teach in the book, I've cultivated the skills and I've flexed my self-love muscle enough now so that when she does creep up, I know how to turn her volume back down. And that is what I teach in Mastering Your Mingle. It's about um, being able to turn that volume back down and choose love, come back to your true essence, which is love. Mm. And, and that's the biggest thing that people struggle with and, and it's beautiful. You've dedicated your whole book to, to the practical stuff around that because 
people will be like, oh my gosh, this thing is so loud and so crazy and so intense. And I think at the beginning, it's so overwhelming. Like, how do I even handle all of these fear-driven patterns? It seems like your whole life is almost driven by fear. Could you maybe give us an insight into some of the starting steps when someone's like fully overtaken by that crazy voice and, and where you recommend people begin trying to kind of work through it? Absolutely. And I just want to be clear as well. It's not about killing the mm. main girl or getting rid of the main girl. Good luck. If you want to try and get rid of her, she's always going to be there. It's about learning how to master her. And this is why it's so important because she is the voice that is stopping you from having the health, the wealth, and the love that you truly desire. So she is the, she is the one that's stopping you from having that. Um, although you've probably placed lots of stories on top of why you can't have the health that you want or the wealth or the love. But ultimately, when you strip it back, when you pull back all the onion layers, it's a belief. It's a mean girl belief, which is what I un help you uncover in the book. Um, so I have a little mini three-step process, which you can start to do right now um, to master your mango, a little mastering your mango method, I call this. Um, and I dive really deep into this in the book. But there's a little three-step process that everyone can start to do today because if we have more people living from a place of love, our world will be a very, very, very different place. So this is why I'm so passionate about this. So the first step is awareness. We all need to get aware of what she's actually saying. So that's what I was just talking about before, like peeling back the onion layers. Like what are your mean girl things? Like is it your your thighs are big or whatever it is or you're never going to earn that amount of money or you can never follow your dreams. Whatever your mean girl is, it's like let's get them all out on paper. Let's bring awareness to it. Let's shine some light on those things. Because then once you're aware, you can then make a shift. But most people are walking around with um, their eyes closed and, and they can't even see. So we need to shine some light. We need to shine some light, bring awareness. That's the first step. The second step is gently closing the door on her. It's not about slamming the door in her face. Envision it like, envision your mingo like, one of those annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your front door to like sell you something and you're like, oh my God, I'm not home. Like you've got to pretend you're not home when your mean girl comes knocking on your door. When she starts to say, you're not good enough to do this. It's like, uh, uh, I'm not home. You cannot come in today. I'm too busy following my dreams. So it's, it's about gently closing the door on her or pretending you're not home. I mean, for me, I would let her in. I'd let her sleep over for a couple of months. She'd wear my clothes, sleep in between, you know, me and my partner. And, um, you know, we'd hang out for a couple of months. That's, that's what would happen until I realized what was happening. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, she comes knocking and I'm like, I'm not home. Like I literally duck for cover. Um, and then the third step is choosing love instead. So once you are aware you can gently close the door on her and then you slide on back down into your heart. It's a very simple three-step process. That doesn't mean it's easy because we've had years and years and years of programming. You know, however old you are, say you're 30, you've had 30 years of programming, there's 30 years of undoing that we need to, to do. Um, but it is, it, is easy. it is simple and we've just got to commit to, to doing it. And I, I love that you've touched on the point of not 
trying to fight with her or get rid of her or because here's the biggest thing that I that I catch with people you would come across it as well we get into this really awful place of self-judgment like we become aware of the mean girl and then we're like oh my god I suck I can't believe I've gone down that self-sabotaging path again I can't believe oh crap she's been like sleeping in my bed for three months and I didn't even realize <laughs> and so we get like really hard on ourselves and yeah you know, when we're, when we're talking about choosing love, the answer to everything is love. So what role do you feel, um, you know, self-forgiveness even or self-compassion has on healing our mean girl? You just brought up such an amazing point, Con, because when we realize, I see this a lot with my clients, I see this a lot, when we realize we have been letting our mean girl sleep in our bed for maybe years, like maybe years, mm. maybe a week, whatever, your mean girl then, so your mean girl's then beating up on, on your, your mean girl, like yes. your mean, it's like a double whammy, like, you, you know, and that's where I see this downward spiral, then yeah, you start judging and it's just your mean girl beating up on your mean girl, so remember that and I want to, yeah, remember that. That's really important. Um, and then the next thing is, is I like the word um, soften because my aim in life is to live a judgment-free life. So I feel I, you know, I was sitting once having um, dinner with a very good friend of mine um, who's kind of like an older mentor to me and um, we're talking about forgiveness and she said to me, Melissa, forgiveness is a judgment. You're saying that you're right and they're wrong. And I went, oh, my gosh. I, it never occurred to me that that was the case. Like I, I, me saying I need to forgive that person is saying that I'm right and they're wrong and that's a big fat judgment. And from the moment we wake up, we are slapping judgments and labels across everything. That's right. That's wrong. You're good. I'm bad. You know, we're constantly labeling and judging. And my aim in life is to live a judgment-free life. And everything is neutral until we slap a label across it. Mm. So instead of forgiving and having compassion, it's for myself, I just soften and I visualize melting into love, like melting into my heart. When I stuff up, in inverted commas, or fall down, I literally soften. That is how I move through those, those challenging times or, or those moments. Um, it's like, you know, if a little child was learning how to ride a bike, if they fell off, you wouldn't be like, oh, you stupid idiot, get up. You'd be like, come on. Let's hop up. Let's have another go, and let's let's give it a go together. You would so you that you would be soft. You wouldn't condone that beautiful little child and call them names like what our mean girl does to us. So I think that's really important to remember that forgiveness, compassion is a judgment. The second thing, and, and so that's with yourself. So softening with yourself when you fall over, when you fall off the bike, soften, melt. Literally vision yourself like melting into love, melting into your heart and vision yourself like a little six-year-old, you know, falling off the bike and you'd, you'd encourage that little gorgeous soul to get back up. And then in regards to others, okay, so I've had so many people say to me, but Melissa, that person cheated on me. How can you, how can you say that 
that's not wrong. Well, everything is right and everything is wrong. Everything is neutral until we label it. And to one person, um, that might have been right. And to another person, that might have been wrong. And that's something that we need to really remember. So how I deal with that, how I work through that is by remembering that everyone is on different operating systems. So everyone, if you think of it like an iPhone, you know, some, you might be on iOS S and I might be on iOS T, whatever, iOS purple, iOS blue, whatever. Neither are right or wrong. They're just different operating systems. And when you can look at people like that and situations like that, you will dissolve a lot of anger, fear, frustration, hurt, pain, resentment. When you were talking about judgment, what came into my mind was in terms of the mean girl, like one of the favorite things I think this voice loves to do is to create meaning out of things that happen and very often make a meaning that means something about us in a really negative way. So for example, your partner cheats on you and that then becomes this internalized story of, well, it must mean that I'm unlovable or there's something Mm. wrong with me. Or, you know, you miss out on a promotion at work and it then turns into, well, that must mean I'm a failure. So I find it's it's that, that judgment and then the meaning we create around an event that creates so much suffering. Absolutely. And I find for me personally, remembering and reminding myself that people are on different operating systems, neither right nor wrong. And you can use colors. You know, that person is on operating system blue and I'm on operating system green. And that's just it. You know, so when that person cuts you off at the traffic lights and gives you the bird out the window and swears at you, you just remind yourself that person is on a different operating system and that's okay. Mm, And you don't have to take that on personally. You don't have to make it mean anything about you. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay. And that goes back, I guess, to the really tuning into yourself and your body uh, with every person and everything and saying, well, does this feel good to me? And if it doesn't, I don't really need to engage with it or be involved with it. Absolutely. We waste so much time, you know, in these stories when we could just be present and having fun and and enjoying life. Mm. And do you feel presence? I mean, you just touched on that. I know there's so much conversation these days around mindfulness and present, living in the present moment and and our meditation practice. What what part has that played in your ability to, to master your mean girl? Oh, my goodness, so much. Well, the mean girl is can only live when you're in the past or in the future. When you are in the present moment, there is no internal dialogue. There just is. You just are. There's just beautiful, blissful presence and you are fully present with whatever you are doing in front of you. But it's a good indication that you're in your head if you're stressing over the future or worrying about what happened in the past. So it's it's a really good indicator to to know that you may not be present if you're worried about something that happened three days ago. And so sinking deeply into the present moment, just being with what you're doing, perhaps being in a, a place of appreciation and gratitude, uh, 
you know, that, that quietens it, quietens that, that voice. Absolutely. And it's definitely not easy. Like, especially in today's world, we are bombarded with information, you know, especially from our computers and our phones and TV and radio. And we're just constantly bombarded. And all of those things are pulling us out of the present moment. So something that's worked really well for me is by just focusing on one thing at a time. I think those women, and, and I say women because I know women wear multitasking like a badge of honor. Um, I think those women that multitask, you you and I used to like really pride myself on I can do five things at once and I'm amazing. Um, but I was doing five things half-assed where now I would prefer to do one thing with my whole heart at 150 hundred percent. So whatever's in front of me right now, I am chatting to Connie Chapman. That's it. There's nothing else that matters in my life. There's nothing else. All I'm doing right now is having a conversation with Connie. doesn't matter what's going to happen next or doesn't matter that my to-do list is the long, as long as the Thames. It doesn't matter. All that matters right now is that I'm having a conversation with you. That's it. And then when this conversation ends, I will then move on to the next thing. And then when that ends, I will then move on to the next thing. So it's literally like just focusing on what is in front of you right now. It is not easy. It's not easy. But if you can master the art of that, like everything you touch will turn to gold. Like it's just everything you touch, will, you will be pouring your entire heart into because you're 100% there. It's really about slowing down, isn't it? Because this whole self-love thing that you chat about, the other word that comes through for me is like self-connection. It's like being tuned in, in your body, in the moment, here, just fully being slow and present and experiencing what's what's fully there. And, you know, I think so many of us run at a million miles an hour through life and are so overstimulated and then we've got like, 10 tabs open on our computer while our phone's ringing and we're doing the laundry and trying to look after our kids. Um, and I, that, I mean, that in itself is a huge practice, I think, in this society, but I agree with you. Um, and, and I know you have a regular meditation practice. Do you feel that's really the foundation of creating this, this connection and this calm-centered space? Definitely. It's been so key for me really really key and I love what you said Connie about slowing down this has been one of my mantras for since about February this year um, I my entire life has been about taking my foot off the accelerator in fifth gear and going back down into first gear and moving my foot off that pedal. Everything is about slowing down and moving more mindfully and just doing everything with so much more presence and consciousness. Um, even, you know, even eating slower, moving slower. I, I talk a lot about this, this concept of slow movement. You know, I used to flog my body at the gym, run on that treadmill with the intention of looking like a Victoria's Secret model in my head. And 
now it's like it is about yoga, it's about Pilates and bar and just slow conscious walking and I'm so much more present and enjoying it so much more. Um, so it's it's about how can I just move a lot slower through life and everything that I do and just pull it back a little bit and just really be present. And that comes back to, you know, the time that we're living in. There's, it's really – and. I spend a lot of time, I live right in the heart of the city and um, we spend a lot of time in the country, in the hinterland as well because I feel like I need that. I feel like it's so stimulating here that I need that time to really ground with Mother Earth and then I can kind of go back into the city and then like it lasts about three weeks and then I need to go back again and like it's just this little dance that I have with myself. Um, for me, that's that's how I work. But I have to daily do that stuff as well. Like I daily go for walks and meditate and, you know, flex my self-love muscle and do all of those things every day. Um, but I do still need a good good top up in the hinterlands where I'm just, you know, totally off the grid. Mm -hmm. And nature is incredible for that, as are those beautiful self-care practices that you mentioned, you know, even just like sitting in a bath and there's nowhere else you can be. So you just sink, sink into that bath and let your whole body soften. And yeah, the slowing down. I mean, I actually use that as a, as a mantra and I, I say it to myself constantly like, honey, slow down, slow yeah. down. Like I have to say it to myself over and over. And um, something that was just coming to mind for me when you were talking was, you know, you run a business and you, you have numerous projects on the go. And I'm sure you speak with people who work in workplaces where they're just bombarded with things that need to get done. And then and the other thing that was coming to mind for me was social media. And I guess I'd sort of wondered how do you, with that slow approach, how do you manage to, and I know, you know, you're, you're a wife and you've got a stepson and you've got all these different things going on. How do you support yourself with things like social media or with things like deadlines or with things like um, numerous things coming at you? Have you set up things in your life that really support you to create space even though there's a lot that you need to get done? Absolutely. I have set up and this has taken me years to to work out and I'm still fumbling my way through it. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't, shouldn't say fumbling. I should say shimmying. I'm shimmying my way through it. Um, and this is exactly what I teach in the MA Academy Business Bootcamp, which is a how to create an online heart-centered business program, um, systems. I have systems in place. Like I have really good, a really good team of people now and that's taken a little shimmying and adjusting and hiring people and then letting them go because they weren't right. So it's taken a lot of um, yeah, just shimmying and what, getting in place the right team and the right systems. Secondly, I am a super sensitive. I'm a sensitive person. I'm very sensitive to EMFs, especially sitting behind my computer and phone. I actually, uh, this year, started getting RSI in my right elbow from scrolling on the mouse. Mm -hmm. So 
um, I to the point where I couldn't even type. I was in agony, and I went and saw um, my practitioner, and he's like, "Well, you're allergic to computer," and I was like, "Awesome!" Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it was it was hurting even whilst I was scrolling on Instagram. So it was like, okay, the two things you know that I need that I do I'll spend a lot of time on is my computer and my phone. Too much time for me for me for my liking. Um, so. I have this indicator of my elbow that if I'm spending too much time behind my computer, my elbow gets a little bit sore. Um, it's fine now, which is great. But for me, systems and team have been imperative. And then those things like social media, they have the tendency to overwhelm me quite a lot. Like I said, I'm quite a sensitive person. So I only check Twitter and Facebook once a day. Um, this is a boundary that I set for myself and it seems to be working quite well. And I've been doing it now for about six months and it's, it's working really well. I don't have Facebook and Twitter on my phone and I don't have email on my phone. Um, so I only have Instagram on my phone. Um, I check Instagram a lot more during the day, especially, you know, when I'm like, trying to fill white space. Actually, let me reword that. <laughs> My mean girl wants me to fill that white space because maybe I can't sit with myself for a second. Um, so in those moments, I'm like, okay, put it down and just sit and breathe. Um, so it is, it's, it's a, I think the way to navigate through social media and overwhelm is by working out what's what feels good for you. For me, those boundaries that I've set feel good for me. Maybe for some other people, checking Facebook and Twitter once a day is impossible. They might need to check it three times and whatever. But setting boundaries, like I literally have time slots where I do it. Um, I also have time slots where I check emails. Yes, if I'm in the middle of a launch, I'm going to be checking emails a lot more frequently. But when I when I have a bit more space, I put in time slots. I do an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, and that works really well. Um, I learned that from Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week. Um, and, yeah, just putting in those boundaries around social media for yourself, just working out what feels good for you. And I think one of the, the key things you touched on, which has been my practice as well, is almost being like, why am I logging on? So you mentioned with Instagram, it's like, it's a distraction from the white space. It's a distraction from just being with yourself. And I, I found that to be one of the biggest practices for me with social media is feeling the, the pull to reach mm. for the phone and then stopping it and saying, hmm, why? Why am I wanting to log on? Why am I wanting to scroll? And then tuning into while I'm on there, is this feeling inspiring at the moment or is it actually feeling really icky because I'm avoiding my, my own life and I'm immersed in someone else's life? I think that question often why will uncover whether your motivator is fear or love. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm sitting at the traffic lights and it's a red light and I'll go to reach for my phone and I'm like, whoa, girlfriend, <laughs> just sit and breathe because I don't listen to the radio. I like to drive in silence or I'll listen to a podcast much like your beautiful podcasts um, and I will just sit and listen or 
you know, I, I have a conversation with myself of why I wanted to just distract myself in that moment. And I think that is the, the mean girl's favorite thing to do because obviously in the present moment when you're just chilling out and you're breathing and you're all good, the mean girl has no power. And so exactly. it, it then needs to come in with something like maybe you want to text that person or you want to start thinking about that old story of, you know, that you tell yourself 10,000 times and it will find anything, won't it, to pull you out of presence. Absolutely. Anything. Mm. Mel, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I have just really enjoyed speaking to you about it. And I, and I, you're similar to me in that I'm a very practical person. And I like to find ways to demystify all this, this sort of jargon that we've got flying around in the self-help world and, and make it really simple for people. And I love that's the approach that you take. And I know it has resonated with so many people who are getting so much value out of your work as well. Um, uh, for anyone who's uh, wanting to know more about you, wanting to follow what you're up to, get amongst some of your creations, I know you've just launched a book. So can you tell us a little bit more about what is coming up for you and where people can find out more about it? So um, you can head to my website, which is just melissaambrosini.com and everything is on there. You can, you can find out about how to get my book, Mastering Your Mean Girl. You can find out about my book tour. You can find about, out about all of my online products and programs, my um, live events and everything that I've got going on and, and come hang out with me on social media and say hi and I would absolutely love to connect with you. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. There's lots going on. But yeah, I'm really proud of the book. I've poured my heart and soul into it. And uh, like you mentioned, I just want to give people the practical tools so that they can start to live the life of their dreams. And I know that sounds really corny, but it's actually true. Like I, I'm glad I had the tools and now I've been able to, you know, share what has worked for me and into this book. And I remember you just touched on it earlier before and just to go back to it, that really the only thing, I mean, we have so much potential sitting inside of us and really the only thing that is stopping us is other stories in our head. Exactly. Mm, beautiful. I'm, I'm so thrilled that your book is coming out so that people can, can read it and get some really practical tools and guidance around this. And thank you so much for your time. It's just been so beautiful to connect with you again on this platform. I've loved chatting to you. Thank you, darling. I'm so beyond grateful and thank you for all the work that you do in the world and all the women that you're helping. It's just, it's really beautiful. You know, we need, we need lots of us out there doing all this beautiful work to help mm. as many people as possible. Yeah. Spreading the message of love. That's what it's all about. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned in to today's episode of Awaken Radio. And I look forward to chatting to you next time. Bye. Thanks, Bye.